1: Maybe there have been times in your Christian walk where you think things have just gotten too hard. You pray, nothing happens. You read the Word of God, and still, nothing. It's as if God has placed you on a shelf and you're just marking time. But just when you thought you couldn't continue, someone comes and they speak to you. They don't judge you for the situation you're in, they just come alongside and they speak to you. Someone leads you from that despair into the loving arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: We are reminded today from Pastor Dave about the importance of encouragement. We've all had times in which we are feeling down, and all of a sudden someone comes along and says just the right thing. It makes all the difference. Paul was an encourager like this to the disciples. Let's encourage others as well. Let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 1, with part 1 of our message entitled, Paul the Consummate Encourager. Acts 20, verse 1. After the uproar had
1: ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now, when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Thrompamus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. So do you think of yourself as someone who encourages others? Are you someone who is an encourager, or maybe you're someone who needs encouragement? which is okay. And if you're someone who encourages others, what sort of an encourager are you? There's an old story about a preacher who was leaving a church. His time had come and he was leaving. At his farewell dinner, he tried to encourage one of the pillar members of the congregation by saying, Don't be sad. The next preacher might be better than me. She sobbed all the more, and she replied, that's what they said the last time, and it's gotten worse ever since. I hope that's not the way you encourage people. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever experienced a time when you're out someplace, and the car won't start because the battery is low or even dead? You ever been someplace like that? You know, everything else in the car works fine, but they get up and go, and the battery has got up and gone, and you can't go anywhere. You're stuck. It usually happens at the most inopportune times, too. It always happens when you're trying to get someplace or where you, you have a deadline or things like that. Ever notice that? Well, to get your car started, what has to happen is you have to go find somebody with another car and you have to pull their car alongside your car and you have to hook up the batteries. Put one set of jumper cables on one car and one set of jumper cables on the other car. And then you get in and you try to start your battery. And as the battery that you start, the dead one or the low one, it starts to draw from the new one or, or, the, or, the, or the one that, that's, that's really going well, and your car starts. It's a miracle. Your battery's able to go and you're on your way, although late as you may be. You're still on your way. This is what encouragement is. This is what the act of encouragement is. It's when a Christian Or when the Christian life has gotten us down and our battery inside us is low or even dying and our get up and go has got up and went and we just are done. Someone comes alongside us like the car with the new battery and they help us to start our motor again, help us to recharge our battery, so to speak, help us to refocus See, the act of drawing alongside or lending energy to get another person going is the basic idea behind the word encourage. Maybe you've had one of those days or one of those weeks or one of those months or one of those years where you felt like everything was against you and you wanted to give up hope. You wanted to give up all caring. You know, one of those times when it would be so much easier just to cash it all in and forget it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I have. Maybe there have been times in your Christian walk where you think things have just gotten too hard. You pray, nothing happens. You read the Word of God and still nothing. It's as if God has placed you on a shelf and you're just marking time. But just when you thought you couldn't continue, someone comes and they speak to you. They don't judge you for the situation you're in. They just come alongside and they speak to you. Someone leads you from that despair into the loving arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This person is an encourager. This is what that person does. They're an encourager. Listen to the dictionary definition of encourage. It means to give courage or to give hope, to make someone feel more confident, to to, to give aid or to help and promote aid. And it's really interesting because the, you know, how you look at definitions, they always use it in a sentence. It says rain encourages the growth of plants. The Christian encourager encourages others to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. Peter encourages us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ in his epistle. You know, according to Romans 12, verse 8, encouragement is actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. However, in this verse, they say that the word encouragement is called exhortation. Exhortation is simply a stronger form of encouragement. It's encouragement with an attitude. That's what exhortation is. It's also interesting to me that the Holy Spirit is called by the comforter, by Jesus, in John 14, 16. The Greek word, as you well know, for this comforter is paracletus. And the definition of that is one who comes alongside and gives comfort. The encourager comes alongside and gives comfort. The encourager comes alongside and gives strength. Who is the main encourager in our lives? None other than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the main encourager in our lives. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He leads us into the truth. He testifies to us about Jesus Christ. He strengthens us and gives us power to live this Christian life that we're in right now. The Holy Spirit is our main encourager. The Holy Spirit also will send people into your life at those point in times when your battery's low, when... When you've run out of steam, you've run out of gas. This person comes in and they help you to refocus on Jesus Christ. Remember when we studied chapter 18 in the book of Acts, we saw that upon arriving in Corinth, the apostle Paul, who had been beaten up pretty badly in Athens, received encouragement. The Lord sent a couple his way, Priscilla and Aquila, to encourage him, to help him press onward. His friends Timothy and Silas came back and there was a reunion of sorts and this encouraged him. They bought financial gifts from other churches and this empowered him and encouraged him. And then the Lord himself encouraged Paul through a vision that night. The Lord will do the same for us in our times of need, in our time of discouragement, in our time of disillusionment, in our time of weariness. The Lord will cause things to happen that encourage us that give us courage to continue in the midst of the storm. Many times He uses His very Word as an encouragement, and He speaks directly to us as we read through His Word, or as we're directed to it by someone else. Other times the Lord might send someone just in to be beside you as an action, and to show you their caring attitude, and to show you their love. Sometimes this is all we need for an encouragement. Sometimes we don't realize how much our presence actually helps someone. Sometimes we think, oh, what can I say? What do I need to say? What what, what should I say in a situation when somebody's really distraught and going through a bad time? Sometimes you just need to be there. Sometimes you just need to be right beside the person. And they know you're there, and they know that that, that's a signal of you caring for them, and that's the encouragement they need. That's the encouragement they, they want. But we try to center our encouragement upon the Word of God. Sometimes the Lord might use a teacher to be an encourager. We can be encouraged by many, many different ways. But it's always interesting to me that those that have needed much encouragement in their lives are usually great encouragers. And those that have needed much encouragement in their lives through their Christian walk become great encouragers. Why? Well, They know what it's like to be disillusioned. They know what it's like to be discouraged. They know the weariness of following the Christian life. They know the rigors of ministry. They know the toll that it takes. They know that truly walking with the Lord and walking against the world that all has to offer is hard, is difficult. They know that the pressures can be burdensome at times. And they know that that encouragement and exhortation can make the difference between walking in faith, walking strong, and giving up and sliding. See, this is what I see happening here today in Acts 20 as we look at our study. I see the Apostle Paul. He's getting ready to finally leave the brethren in Ephesus. He's finally leaving now after three years. He wants to continue on his third missionary journey, and all along we see, even in these verses, we see Paul, the consummate encourager. This is what Paul does. As I said in this study, I'm going to show you four ways that I see Paul using his gift of encouragement. First of all, he's using it in sensitivity and a concerned heart. Secondly, he uses his gift of encouragement with words, whether they be spoken or written. Thirdly, he uses his action, his actions of courage, adaptability, and stamina to encourage others. And finally, he uses his commitment to the needy, especially the church of Jesus Christ. So let's start our study. We begin with verse 1. In chapter 20, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. That riot we talked about in Ephesus is finally over. It must have been some riot. And Paul knows, (laughs) it's time for me to leave. Remember back in Acts 19, verse 21, Paul purposed in his spirit to go to Macedonia and Achaia? Well, maybe now, after the riot, he was thinking, you know what? Maybe I stayed here too long. Maybe I endangered the brethren at Ephesus because of this riot. This riot must have been really fierce because Paul makes, maybe makes mention of this in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 32, when he said he fought against the beast of Ephesus. Was he referring to this very riot? Some think so. Some think it was the violent uprising that he was referring to. This just shows how severe it is. But since Paul is now leaving He's showing great concern for the safety of the new brethren and the safety of the believers here. See, Paul had a sensitive and concerned heart. He'd been in Ephesus for three years. He made a lot of friends. A lot of people were dear to him. There was a deep connection between him and the brethren. It was difficult for him to leave. It was difficult to say goodbye to them because he had a very, very gracious heart towards them and he loved them greatly. But Paul's greatest joy... Paul's heaviest burden came for the care of all the churches that he had planted. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, Paul says this. He says, Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul had just finished telling the Corinthians in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, All that he had been through, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the pearls, everything that's been happening to him. And he's saying that besides all these things, besides this, the one thing that comes upon me daily, the one thing that I think about all the time is the concern for the churches. Paul had a concerning heart. Paul had a sensitive heart. And this is an encouragement. This is an encouragement to those he cared about, those he loved. You know, sometimes in the midst of this discouragement, in the midst of the trial, it is so encouraging to notice someone cares. We just said that a minute ago. It's so important to know that you're not going through what you're going through alone. That people love you and support you. People want to be with you. They care about you. They want to see you get through this the best you can. You know, life, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but life stinks. A lot of problems we have. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in our lives, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And just when you come through one trial, you smack dab into the next one, you know, and, 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 and it seems to be ramping up a little bit as, as the time grows short. We need to stay together, folks. We need to stay in unity and encourage each other and help each other through these times because as I see it from Scripture, it's only going to get worse. And that's scary to me. That's very scary. We need to, we need to pray for one another. We need to we let people know that, that we care for each other. Life is tough. Life is difficult. We need the people to care for us. And, and sometimes when you're in the midst of a problem and somebody shows you an attitude of caring, it means so much and it encourages you. It means so much to know, gee, a person cares for me. A person really can care for me. Sometimes you think back and go, and after the way I treated them, it's kind of scary, you know, it kind of puts you in your place. But we need to care for one another. This is what I see Paul doing. He had concern for the churches. He had concern for the brethren. And he... And he Encourages them. He encourages them. He embraces them and says, Guys, I'm leaving. You know, Paul's intent was to revisit the churches in Macedonia and Greece while he was on his way to Jerusalem. So, as we go to verse 2 and 3a, it says, Now, when he had gone over that region and had encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. So, we saw the Apostle Paul encouraging others by his concern and his care and his sensitive heart. Now we see him encouraging with words spoken. I like to say he's also encouraging them with words written. We'll talk about that in a minute. Paul wants the churches to be strengthened. He knows what's coming at them. He knows the perils of being a Christian in this day and age. He knows what's happening. Sound familiar, doesn't it? He knows what's going on. And Paul wants these guys to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He wants these guys to stand firm against the persecution that's coming down the pike against the things that are coming against them. So Paul goes there and he strengthens them with words of ex- with exhortation. Some translations even use the word exhortation. Remember, exhortation is encouragement on steroids. Remember that. Exhortation is when you go, you really forcefully encourage somebody. You really give them to them. Paul speaks encouraging words. He says, Paul says he spoke with many words now paul is never short on words and next week we're going to see that he can get rather lengthy in his sermons we're going to see what happens next week it's going to be a fun time but paul uses many many words when he speaks this was one of his main reasons and purposes for going to the churches he wanted them to know that number one he cared for them and number two he wanted them to know that it strengthened them look your strength is in the lord I'm not going to be around here much longer, Paul is telling the guys, but your strength has got to be in the Lord, and you need to follow him on your own. I can't follow it for you. And as your pastor, I can sit here and say, you got to get the Lord for yourself and follow him for yourself. I can point you the way, I can show you the way, but it's up to you to grasp it and glean it for yourselves. You need to do that. But it's nice when somebody comes alongside you and helps you. It's nice when they come on a couple arms with you and take you into that place. The spoken word really encourages us. Oh, the spoken word is so wonderful. When I go to conferences, I go to conferences to get refreshed because I can sit back, put my feet up, and listen to these teachers teach the word of God, and I am just encouraged. And and, and you never, I don't know if you've been to many conferences or retreats at all, but I can guarantee whatever's ailing you, whatever's bothering you before you go to the retreat is exactly what's going to be taught about at the retreat. And you're going to sit there and go, They got mirrors in my room. They know exactly what's going on with me. That happens here. Come on, folks. That happens here. You bring somebody to church, and the pastor starts preaching, the first thing they do, look and go, you told them everything about me. I didn't tell them anything about you. It's just the Word of God. But it's so encouraging. Many instances, we see where the Word of God, where we see God says, calls a man to encourage someone else. We see that. In Deuteronomy 3, 28, the Lord tells Moses to encourage Joshua. He says, but command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. Paul, writing to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 to 3, says this. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica to encourage them in their faith. David Gusick says this, Paul wanted Timothy to do two things, to establish them and to encourage them. Both are necessary, but we need to establish them first, he says. Encouragement can only come after we are established in the right direction. I can establish you in the wrong direction. What does that good does that do? You need to be established in the right direction. We need to point you to the Word of God. Without the Word of God, we can encourage people to go in the wrong direction. Well, this is what I think. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't want to know what I think. Really. You don't want to know what I think. You want to know what God thinks. You don't want to know what the Word of God says. Well, I think you should do this. Well, time out, brother. What does the Word of God say I should do? Take me to the real source. Not what you think. Take me what the source says. That's what Paul did. Took him to the real source. Everybody needs encouraging now and then. And sometimes all it takes is the speaking of the Word of God into a situation. And it brings us back to center. Paul definitely encouraged by the spoken word, but he also encouraged by the written word through letter writing. Now, you might look at this verse and say, okay, Shank, where does it say he wrote letters? It doesn't. But follow me on this. The Scripture says that he came to Greece and he stayed three months. Okay, that's where I am. Many believe that while Paul was in Greece, he was back in the city of Corinth. From there, during these three months, many believed that he wrote two letters, one to the Ephesian church and one to the Romans. That's what I'm talking about. Paul was a letter writer. Paul was encouraging. Look at your epistles. I had a conversation with somebody this morning who came in and said, aren't the epistles grand? Don't you just love to read them? They're full of encouragement. They're full of doctrine. They're full of meat. What a wonderful time to read the epistles that God has given to us in these letters. These men were letter writers. They wrote their hearts on their letters. Oswald Sanders wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership, and he wrote about Paul, and he says this, quote, "...any position of leadership involves a considerable amount of correspondence and letters are self-revealing." Take Paul, for example. We know more about his moral integrity, uh, intellectual honesty, and spiritual life through his letters than any other source. When a difficult situation required his attention... He dipped his pen in tears, not acid. He continues, Paul's letter abounded in encouragement, were gracious in compliment, and rich in sympathy. Those who received them were always enriched. And that's how I feel when I read the epistles. I am just so enriched by his teachings and by all their teachings, Peter, John, James, Jude, all of them, when you read them and glean from them. We read through Paul's epistles time and time again, and we're so encouraged. In fact, these same scriptures came to me this week in an email and encouraged me greatly when I was going through a bad time, starting off with my most favorite, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. How many of you have this on your refrigerator? Philippians 4.6 Be anxious for nothing but everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Or how about this one? Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. See, when Paul had to correct somebody, he never corrected to win an argument. He corrected to settle a spiritual problem and to make an immature Christian mature. This is what encouraging does. Encouraging helps us come from immaturity into maturity. It helps us to grow up in grace, grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it helps us to do. You know, letters are a thing of the past. They're gone. But there's email. As I told you, just this week I received an email. And it was so encouraging. It came at just the right time. And that's what God does. It comes just at the right time. Notes are important, these little notes and stuff, little notes and things, they're fantastic for encouraging people, for telling people that you care about them, for telling people that you're thinking about them, for telling people that you're praying for them.
0: And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. That's chapter 4, verse 31 of the book Pastor Dave is currently teaching through, Acts. You've been listening to Cape watch radio the radio ministry of Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel Cape May in Cape May New Jersey CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at cape that's info at cape today's message as originally presented at Calvary Chapel Cape May can be downloaded from our website at www.capewatchradio.com if you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 609-884-5821. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number is 609-884-5821. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church? If you don't have a home church, and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., Pastor Dave also shares in-depth Bible studies every Wednesday night at 6.30. For more information, including driving directions, visit capewatchradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Dave will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Acts. Right here on Cape Watch Radio.